I do need to start with some bad news for you. This is uh, something you might want to be concerned about. Uh, this here is a picture of the Andromeda galaxy. Okay, so this is the closest galaxy to our galaxy. We're in the Milky Way galaxy. So here we have Andromeda, and I don't know if this was Hubble or probably that, that took this. This is a giant whirlpool of stars. If you think about what stars are and how huge they are, uh, even compared to our whole planet, uh, the Andromeda galaxy, probably they estimate about a trillion stars swirling around. So it's, it's pretty to look at, but here's the, the, the concerning thing. It is on a collision course with our galaxy. It is headed right towards us. I know some of you are concerned. Uh, I know. So it is headed right towards us, and it is not traveling slowly. It is coming directly at us at a speed of about 250,000 miles per hour. So grasp that in your mind. This huge uh, swirling whirlpool of stars heading right at you at a quarter million miles per hour. The good news, I can tell you, is that, um, well, we have a little bit of time, okay, cause, because space is big. And so even though this is uh, heading right at us, uh, the impact is not expected for, you have about four and a half billion years to get ready, okay? So that's, that's the good news. So if you, if, you, if you have plans between the services today, you're still okay, okay? So uh, Pastor Nick can keep planning on the, uh, the PM service tonight. Uh, we, it should not be interrupted by, you know, galaxy collision uh, quite yet. So the main point of this is just to wrap our minds around, this is the closest galaxy to us. Space is big. This universe that we live in is huge. I mean, mind-boggling. We cannot wrap our minds around even the size of our sun, much less our solar system, much less our galaxy, much less the distance between galaxies, which is beyond that, and it's crazy. But we keep all this in mind and realize the universe is huge and God made it all. And God's presence fills it all. Today, we are talking about the immensity of God. And we'll say it like this if we're going to summarize this. When we talk about the immensity of God, we're not just saying that God is big. Uh, in a sense, saying that he's big doesn't quite work because you can't really measure God. He's a God that really doesn't take up space. He, he fills space, but he doesn't take up space. You can't measure him. You can't get out uh, your, your universe-size uh, tape measure and do that. It doesn't work that way. But what God's immensity means is that God fills the universe with his whole presence at every point in the universe, but is not contained by the universe. We're going to spend some time thinking about that and trying to unpack that. Sometimes we also refer to this as God's omnipresence. And one of the omni-attributes, omni means all, so he's present everywhere. There was a time I thought I had realized that I was omnipresent. Uh, because I realized, I was thinking about all the places I've been, and I realized I remember being there. And so I started checking places, like, I wonder if I'm in the basement. I went down there, and yeah, I was. Like, I wonder if I'm at the store. So I, for a while, I, I was under that illusion. But <laughs> God is actually 
omnipresent, and we're going to look into that. Psalm 139 is a great passage that discusses this. Psalm 139, 7 through 10. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? So if you're trying to get away from God, where can you go? Where can you you hide from him that he's not there? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, which means either the grave or hell, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and I dwell in the utmost parts of the sea, east or west, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. And so we're going to see this idea of God being present everywhere. This is either an incredible blessing if you are in a right relationship with God. And this will be an amazing source of of comfort to you in the hardest times. Or if you are someone that is not right with God yet, if you are a rebel against God, this will be one of the most uncomfortable things you can imagine. Because this is a God that you cannot escape from. A God that you cannot push off into some corner and pretend that he's not there because he's everywhere you're going to be. And so if that's you, I hope that God works in your heart and that you will come to faith in Jesus Christ, turning from being a rebel against him to someone that is, uh, that is saved and knows the love of God through Jesus Christ. So let's uh, unpack this a little bit. First statement we'll say to kind of try to explain this is that God created space and is not bound by space. So last week we talked about God and time. God and being uh, the, the eternal God, that he is outside of time. So just as there is no time when God is not, there is also no place where God is not. So if God's eternity last week means that, that he is not bound by time, uh, that, that God created time, he's not bound by it, he's fully present at all times. God's uh, immensity means that God created space. He's not bound by space or by location. He fills it at all times with, it, with his complete presence. In a sense, space and time don't really apply to God, at least not like they do to us. So God created space. He created everything there is. And before that, there was no space. And I don't just mean outer space and the stars. I mean just the, the distance between things. It's not as if when God uh, created, it's like there was this big empty space, like a big piece of paper, and he's like, what should I draw on this? What should I make? There wasn't even the piece of paper. There wasn't even empty space for him to, to fill with, uh, with, with earth and stars and, and galaxies and plants and kitty cats and us. There, he had to create the space as well. I mean, what an awesome creator God is that not only creates all the stuff in the space, but he creates the space as well. Before that, there was no space. There was no space that God was in before he created. We, again, we are in this series where each of these messages is going to just blow our minds and give us you know, mental cramps trying to think of these things. And that's good. Because we want to realize that there is a God that is beyond our ability to comprehend. God does not have a body that takes up space. He is aspatial. So he can't be measured. He really doesn't have size at all because he he can't be measured. This also means that God is not limited by location. 
we are in one place at a time, but God is not. He cannot be bound by space. He cannot be contained. For you and I, we can only be in one place at a time. If I am on stage, it means I'm not in the pew. If you're in the pew, it means you're not on stage. It means you're not at home. If you're there, it means you're not here. We're in one place at a time. We can move around and change location, but at any given time, just in one place. And it means even if you, let's say you had a, think about this, you know, people, gigantic homes. You know, even if you had a, uh, a 50 room mansion, you, know, you can only be in one room at a time. And so all the others are just going to be, be empty. We're only in one place at a time. There's, in the Old Testament, um, Solomon built a, a house for God. Solomon was built the, uh, the temple for God. And when he, when he built it, this is something that, uh, that Solomon said in his prayer of dedication in 1 Kings 8, 27. And I think it's helpful to realize. He said, But will God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold, Heaven and the highest heaven cannot contain you. How much less this house that I've built. And Solomon realized that he, as he was uh, to build this special house for God, that God's, he, his special presence would be in there. We're going to see scripture talks about sometimes a, a special presence of God or a unique way that he manifests himself at times. But Solomon was wise enough to realize that this temple, and as great as it is, and no matter how big you could build it, this was not going to contain God. It might be the way that the pagans thought about their deities. Their deities were limited. Maybe they could be in one place. In fact, you know, each uh, tribe may have their own deity and their different area, and they ruled over their little realm, but not somewhere else. But the God of the, the Bible is not just a local God just for, for Israel or for anyone or for America. He's, he's everywhere. He's he exists everywhere. His domain is everywhere. This also means that God does not literally come and go. We may talk like that, and Scripture may use terminology like that, but we recognize that there's a sense where God isn't literally changing position. I mean, if you exist everywhere, you can't change position. You're already there. So the language about God coming and going really is about God manifesting his presence in different ways and at different places, uh, showing himself, showing his glory, his presence uh, differently in different ways. So even when we say that Jesus came into the world, we don't mean that the Son of God was not here before. There's a sense he was. But when he came into this world, he came in a special way. He became joined to a... Uh, as a human being. So now he was coming uh, in, in flesh as a human being, fully God, fully man, for the mission that he had. To show us God's love and to die on the cross in our place to do what we could not do. But there's another sense where he was, he was already here everywhere and he actually, in a sense, remains that way. That's kind of a mind-blowing thing. Um, if you want something else, I'll just... Uh, just blow your mind, one of the reformers, John Calvin, wrote this about, about Jesus Christ coming and becoming a human being. He said, another absurdity, namely, that if the word of God, talking about the Son of God, became incarnate, he must have been confined within the narrow prison of an earthly body is sheer impudence. For even if the word in his immeasurable essence united with the nature of a man in one person, 
we do not imagine that he was confined therein. Here is something marvelous. The Son of God descended from heaven in such a way that without leaving heaven, he willed to be born in the virgin's womb, to go about the earth, and to hang upon the cross. Yet he continually filled the earth, even as he had done from the beginning. That is mind-blowing. But I think it has to be true. If Jesus is fully God, if he is fully divine, as he became, um, in one sense, within the, uh, himself as a human being, but that could not contain him. So in another sense, the eternal God is still filling the whole universe. But we, we can only be in one place at a time. I have an app on my phone I got a few years ago. It's, it's, I, it's kind of a fun thing. It's called Fog of the World. I think it's related to, I don't know, back when I was a kid, we played Legend of Zelda, okay? And everything would be dark, and as you explored, it would like, you know, the, the little, it would light up different areas on the map. And it's kind of a version of that. And so for the past few years, it's kept track of my travels, and it draws little lines where I've gone. And that's kind of neat. I guess now you, you know where I've been. Okay, so yeah, we've had family trips out west, out east. Uh, we go see uh, some of Hope's family down south. Eric and I did a Utah trip over the over the summer. But there's a lot of places I have not been, and even all those places, I'm only in those places one place at a time. And this is just on our little tiny dot of an Earth compared to the whole galaxy, compared to the whole universe. Compared to that, the truth about God is that God is wholly present everywhere, all at once, all the time. Completely present everywhere, all at once, all the time. We can't be everywhere, one place at a time. We have dilemmas. You know, a kid has, uh, one kid has a game, the other kid has a game, there are different conferences at the same time. What do we do? Sometimes mom and dad can split up because we can only be in one place at a time. Maybe there's something going on at church and there's this and this person needs uh, to be visited and we have to make these choices. God is everywhere, all at once. Jeremiah 23. Am I a God at hand, declares the Lord, and not a God far away? Can a man hide himself in the secret places so that I cannot see him, declares the Lord. Do I not fill heaven and earth, declares the Lord. The Lord is saying, I fill everything. I absolutely do. Just everywhere is somewhere that I am. Now also in here, this talks about both the, we call the transcendence and the imminency of God. At the same time, that God is both imminent that's imminent, I-M-M-A-N-E-N-T, and transcendent. For God to be transcendent means that he is a God that he is far away. He is above and beyond, and that's true. But he's also a God that's right here and a God that is everywhere. Imminent with an A means that, that he is present, he's pervading. By the way, imminent, I-M-M-I-T, uh, N-E-N-T, that means it's about to happen. The return of Christ is imminent. God's presence is imminent. So God is both close to us, both in space, uh, and his return is close to us in time. So God is not remote only, and he's not here. He's not just here only, as if God is somehow dissolved into creation, like an Elka-Seltzer tablet, and that he's not out there as well. 
So let me give you a few things to just kind of clarify this. We're not going to be able to completely understand this, but at least we can try to dispel some wrong ways of thinking about it. And whatever's left might be closer to the truth. So one is to realize that God fills the universe without being contained by it. So he fills everything, but that doesn't mean that's, that's all that there is of God. It's been said that uh, God fills the heaven and earth the same way that the ocean fills a bucket when it's a, a mile down in, under the ocean. So that ocean, it's filling the bucket, but uh, there's a lot more ocean than that. So as big as this universe is, God fills it, and, but God keeps on going. God is, is, is immense. The highest heavens, even the highest heavens cannot contain him. And also, God fills the universe without taking up space. We, we take up space. Um, if you drop a rock into a bucket of water, water comes spilling out of it if, it's, if it was a full bucket because it's displacing that water. If you're sitting in a place, in a pew, it means someone else isn't sitting there. You might have a child sitting there in your lap, but they're not sitting exactly where you are. You know, we displace uh, matter, but God is able to be with us without, without displacing us. God's presence does not exclude the presence of other things. That's a wild thing to think about. And some people have tried to wrap their minds around it that it's like God exists like in another, like another dimension but with us. Um, I don't know for sure if this is a... Well, no illustration is perfect. But if you think about it as if like, you know, we live our lives like we're on a sheet of paper. And if you think of us being like each a little dot on the sheet of paper and that like God is like another, like, bigger sheet of paper that's, like, right on it. And so there's a sense where he, he's right here, he's right at hand, but without taking up uh, our space and displacing us. So, again, that might be helpful. Every illustration has, has flaws to it. But, yeah, God fills the universe without displacing and taking up the space. A few other clarifications. God is not partly here and partly there. We talked a few weeks ago about the simplicity of God. God does not have parts. He cannot be divided up. So it's not as if, well, there's, there's part of God that exists here in Michigan and a part of God that exists somewhere else. And some, you know, a distant galaxy, there's another uh, part of God. Um, it's not like that. God is wholly present everywhere in his, his fullness. It also means that God is... God is not stretched out. We don't want to think about it like that. Like he's like, he's spread like you have some butter and not quite enough and you're, you got this big thing of toast and you got to get that butter. So you're spreading it real thin. God is not spread thin across the universe. I think we spread ourselves thin oftentimes with all the things we, places we try to do and things we try to be, but God is, God is never spread thin. He is never diluted. Also, God is not mixed with his creation. There's not a mixture between uh, God and, and creation. It's, uh, it's not pantheism or uh, it, where there's some kind of concoction, half God, half man, stir it together, and that's what we got. Don't think of it like that. You always want to keep it distinct. There's God and there's, there's his creation. So finally, also, creation is not God's body. We don't want to think about it like that. We are not in God's body because God doesn't, he doesn't have a body. Um, 
when he was talking to the, the woman at the well, he, you know, he said, God is spirit. He's not bound to one location. He doesn't, he doesn't have a uh, body. And what would that be like? You know, I mean, here, we're, what is this? We're in God's head, but somewhere else that's like they're in God's armpit. Probably Ohio. Um, uh, but it's not like that. God is fully present everywhere. Clear distinction between creator and the creation. Now with that, you might ask, well, doesn't Paul say in Acts 17, 28, in him we live and move and have our being? And he does. That's in Acts 17. He's, he's quoting from the Cretan uh, poet Ephemenides, uh, but he's using that in a way that he's saying there's, some, there's truth in this. And it's okay if you think about it in the sense that God fills the universe and is present everywhere, but at the same time, you remember that God is distinct from the universe. But this, it's not okay if you think about it in the sense that we are in God's body or we're part of God's body. That's not what the universe is. God is distinct. And also when we talk about being in Christ, we had a whole sermon series in the spring about what it means to be in Christ. It doesn't mean there's like a physical location that we're inside of, of his, like a physical body. It means that you're part of the, the body of Christ, which is the group of believers. We're joined to him, to Jesus, spiritually. That's also what baptism represents, being joined to him, being plunged and submerged into him. But it doesn't mean that we're in him as far as a like, specific location. As I mentioned, too, it does talk about, in Scripture, times where there's a special presence. In the Old Testament, God would appear sometimes, or it manifests his glory. Or we talk about the Lord being with us. Well, there's a sense where he's always with us, but sometimes it's in a special way. And sometimes it is referring to his presence to bless us. His presence with his, his, his covenant love to us and, and uh, experiencing that in a positive way. Sometimes it means he's present to punish sin. And in that sense, that's terrifying. I think it's accurate to say that God is present even in hell. Sometimes we think about that as being the absence of the presence of God, but if he's everywhere, the sense where he's in hell, but he's not there to bless, but there to give the righteous punishment that sin deserves, that's not the kind of presence that you want to experience. If you were an unbeliever that rejected God and that's where you end up, you you would love it if God was totally not present. He just won't be present in the right way. And so I pray for you that you flee to Jesus Christ who died and is willing to accept you. Let me give you some applications. This matters for our life. It's not just to to blow our minds and make us worship. (laughs) It is. I mean, that's a primary thing. But think about some of these truths. It means first that you are never alone. read a book and it said this. It says, here's a riddle for you. Imagine you are in a room uh, and everyone else leaves. Okay, imagine you're in the sanctuary here. Everyone else leaves. How many people are there still in the room? You know, and the way that you answer that question uh, actually says a lot about you. Most people say, well, everyone leaves. I'm, it's just me. Atheists would definitely say that. But the truth is, if God is present everywhere, it's, it's never just you in that room. Let this give encouragement to you in your afflictions. God is always available to help his children. 
Remember Psalm 23. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. God is never far from you. This should be an encouragement for our prayer life and for our worship. You don't have to travel far to to be with him. You don't have to go to some specific place. We gather together as believers so we can worship together, but we could do that anywhere. You can also worship and pray on your own as well, too. We're supposed to gather together, but even when we're scattered, God is with you. He is not far from you to worship and to, to pray to. And when you need that help, you can go to him immediately. Sin creates an illusion of distance between us and God, but it's an illusion. Feeling that, that we are, that God is far away. It creates that illusion in our heart where none actually exists. If, let me say this to you as believers. Believers, if God feels far away from you, don't trust your feelings. Because he's not. He's, he's right there with you. But if you are distant from him, in a sense, relationally because of sin, and all you need to do is to turn around. He's right there for you. This truth also means that there is nowhere that God does not belong. Sometimes we feel like there's places we belong and places that are off limits, places we should can go, and maybe it's not illegal, just that's not where we're supposed to be. And uh, sometimes we think, well, other people aren't supposed to be in per- certain places. There's nowhere where God does not belong. There's nowhere off limits from there. You can never rightfully say to God, God, you stay over there, okay? God, you stay in your lane, okay? Uh, God takes up all the lanes. They're all, they're all his. There, there's not a square inch that isn't his territory. You can't carve out a little area for yourself and your private pursuits and put up a God keep out sign. And God, you keep in your corner and let me do my thing here in my kingdom. Can't say, God, you're, okay, I'll allow you in at church, that part of my life, but not other parts of my life. You know, it, it, God, I, you're, you're off limits with me at work because, you know, there's some things that we do there that you wouldn't like. So you, you stay here at church. I'll come and visit you. Don't come with me to work or at home or in your kitchen or in your bedroom. There's no place that is off limits where God does not belong. So live your life as if God were right in the room with you. Because he is. And he always is. And if you develop the, the mental uh, practice of consciously realizing that God is with you, that is going to help you in so many ways. That is going to motivate you to live a godly life. That is going to help you to avoid sin and temptation. It will be a restraint on your sin. We saw in Jeremiah 23, can a man hide himself in the secret places so that I cannot see him? For us, this should promote a healthy fear of God, reverence, zeal. It should protect us against hypocrisy, doing one thing here and something over there. God is with you and sees you at both of these. Secrecy, sin loves secrecy, but, but God is everywhere and he sees everything. Temptation, you, you cannot sin in secret. You may think you can, but you, we can't. And for the unbeliever, this is terrifying. 
It means there's nowhere you can flee, nowhere you can hide. God is always there. He always sees. You can't run away from God. So you might as well deal with him. You might as well turn to him and accept the love that he has for you and repent and, and believe. But for the believer, this is a key to spiritual growth and sanctification. One of the old Puritans, John Flavel, he wrote a list of rules to help believers to keep a clear conscience. And the first of these in this list, he wrote, Overawe your hearts every day and in every place with the eye of God. He means always live as if God was right in front of you. This walking as before God will keep you upright. If you so speak and live as those that know God sees you, such will be your uprightness that you do not care if all the world sees you too. He writes, An artist came to Drusias and offered to build him a house so contrived that he might do what he would within doors that no man would see him. Nay, said Drusias, so build it that everyone may see. That might be kind of awkward for showers, but... The point is, recognize that, that we, we have no secrets before God. If we live like that, keep that in mind, that will keep us from sin. Another application, realize that you cannot be like God in this way. This is an incommunicable attribute. You are never going to be all places at all time and you're fully present. If you try to, you're going to be stretched thin. You're not going to be totally present everywhere. You're going to be trying to do what God can only do. For us, being one place means we're not somewhere else. So it means if you're somewhere besides church at a time, it, means, it just means you're not at church. You and I, we are not limitless. Every choice to be somewhere is a choice not to be everywhere else. And we live with these choices all the time. And let me say this to, to all of us as parents. We need to remember we cannot be God for our kids. We can't always be there. And let me tell you something, and you might find this cultural today. This may go against Facebook wisdom, but this might also be possibly liberating to you. So let me tell you this. You can't always be there for your kids, and there's a sense where you shouldn't be because you can't be God to your kids. And maybe there's a generation or two ago where the big problem was a lot of parents didn't have time for their kids, and, and they, they didn't, um, they weren't there for things. And I think, by and large, the pendulum has kind of swung the other way and to the kind of other extreme. And now you hear about helicopter parents, and parents just smother their kids, and always, all the time, all the time, all the time. Our kids are important. I'm not saying neglect your kids. But what I am saying is that we shouldn't treat them as if they are the center of the universe. We shouldn't want it to be their God, and we shouldn't treat them like they're our idols. Neither us as parents or our kids deserve to be the center of the universe. Their pl- that place is for, for God. And finally, God is always present, but he is especially, especially with us in Jesus Christ. Bold the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory is the only son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And I am with you always to the end of the age. 
And Jesus came, and he was here as a human being in that special presence, and he left. He's still with us in a sense. He's still with us here as we worship, but he's also coming back with his special presence. He's coming back as the God-man physically to be with us so we can see him, we can touch him, we can be with him. And at the end of all things, it says, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. We worship a big God. And what an amazing thing that he is always with us, and he is with us as believers in our hearts through Jesus Christ as well. Let's pray. Lord God, you are big beyond our understanding. You are so immense. We praise you for the way that you've, you fill this universe without being contained by it. We praise you for the way that you are wholly present everywhere, all at once. Lord God, we cannot wrap our minds around what this means, but we thank you that means you are always here for us, Lord God. And we can always worship you. And you and you alone deserve to be the absolute center of our life. Help us to make you the, the number one priority and to prioritize other things according to your will and your word, Lord God. But may we revolve around you and may you receive um, the praise of our hearts. Thank you for saving us through Jesus Christ and for his special presence with us. In his name we pray, amen.